Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. Amen. Y'all be seated. Good to see you this morning. We um, have been doing a series of messages called First Things First. And one of the things that uh, we're praying through and one of the things that we're asking God to do is to help realign our priorities. It's, isn't it easy to get priorities out of whack? It sure is, isn't it? Uh, we can um, get sidetracked by so many things that uh, are around us. And, you know, I came across this statement. You've heard it said many, many times before, you know, that there are some people who are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. You ever heard that statement before? Well, I'm going to sort of turn that on its head this morning because what the Apostle Paul is going to share with us today is simply really just the opposite. And if you were to survey the New Testament, you're going to find that it's really those who are heavenly minded who do the most good on earth. See, I think sometimes we talk about people having their heads in the cloud and thinking about heaven. And uh, that may be the case. Sometimes we can get that way. But I don't find that most Christians are there. I don't find that most Christians are busy thinking about heaven. And if they do think about heaven, they're certainly not thinking about how heaven impacts their present. What they're thinking about is that day when they die and they go to heaven, right? I mean, that's what I find, though, is most Christians, we're sort of stuck in the world. You know, we're sort of here. We're sort of thinking about what's going on here. And, you know, we're busy with our lives living and doing the things that we need to do. And, you know, we don't really think heavenly minded as we're living here on earth. And so there is this challenge that Paul is going to give us today to really change that, to really think about being heavenly minded. But how does it really impact us here? You know, for example, you know, some of y'all saw me use this illustration a few years ago, but it's worth, you know, looking at it again. And maybe you've seen, I stole this from somebody, so it's not mine. I just stole it. But, you know, if you just take this rope and uh, didn't undo it like it's supposed to, but that's okay. You love it when they don't work, right? But you get the point. If, if this rope stood for eternity, right, this little red part's your life. That's all it is, all it represents. And that, that's pretty humbling, isn't it? That's your life. How long is your life going to be? Yeah, and I don't know how long this rope is. I, I forget what the length is on it, but, but that's your life. Whether you live to be 90, whether you live to be 10, that's your life. And the problem is we get so focused here that we forget about here. We get so focused living here in this present, in this time, making our 90 years or our 10 years or our 20 years or our 30 years, however long God gives us, we, we make that our focus and our primary purpose because we want to have our best life now. But the reality is, we ought to be living for this, eternity. And obviously, I can't really represent eternity with a rope because I don't have a rope that goes on for eternity, right? But the reality is, Paul is going to challenge us today that we can live this life here. By the way, you're stuck here, right? <laughs> Until Jesus calls you home, this is where you live, right? You, you live here on earth. And so you're here until Jesus calls you home. But the reality is, what are you going to do with this part? Hopefully you're going to live this part in light of this part. Amen? So really to be so heavenly minded that you know earthly good is not a good statement because what we really want to be is heavenly minded so that we are worth living here on earth. Does that make sense? 
So I want what I'm going to experience in eternity to be my reality in the present. You're saying, okay, you're making no sense. Well, do you realize that according to the word of God, that you're already seated with Christ in glory? Do you realize that? Do you realize that you already, let's do it this way. How many of y'all like the Marvel series? A lot of us do, right? We go, we can't wait for the latest movies to come out. And I'm a little behind on a couple of them. But, you know, you have a hero. What does a hero do? Most of these heroes, you notice that a lot of times they may go to some lost world or some different world. And when they go to that world, it does something to them. It changes them radically, doesn't it? You know, it, it changes their, their whole outlook on life, their perspective of things. And I, and I want you to, to understand something, that you and I belong to a different world. We don't belong to this world. See, we're, we're, like the old song says, we're just a passing through. Amen. Amen? This is not my eternal existence. I'm here temporary. But as I'm here temporary, I'll never be any good and used by God if all I think about is this temporary. I have to put my mind on heavenly things. And let the heavenly things impact what I do here. Listen to what Paul says. Maybe it'll make sense. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Paul has given us a lot of theology in Colossians. And as we get down to Colossians 3, he begins with some practicality, but really he gives us one more nugget of doctrinal truth. Listen to what he says. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is. He says, sitting at the right hand of God, Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth or on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And then he's going to, in verses 5 and following through verse 11, he's going to talk about how does that really impact us? How is it that when we get a real full glimpse of the fact that we're heavenly citizens, that, that we are already there in heaven, that we already need to have our minds set on heaven, how does that bring us in the sense of holiness before God practically? And that's verses 5 through 11. I don't have time to deal with all that this morning. What I really want to deal with this is that is the title of my message, Living Below by Looking Up. How do we live here by having a heavenly mindset? And again, let me just clarify for you. When we talk about having a heavenly mindset, please don't think that I'm talking about one day you're going to die and you're going to be in heaven. I think a lot of us think about that on our journey of life. We think about, well, one day... I may not be here, and when I'm not here, I'm going to be there. Hallelujah. Is that you? Can you say that's going to be you? That if you die today, you're going to go to glory? And so many of us, that's what we're talking about, but that's not what Paul is referring to. Paul is not talking about us just having this mindset that, yeah, I believe in heaven. I believe I'm going to go to heaven one day. That's not what Paul is referring to. What Paul is talking about is how does the reality of going to heaven, how is the reality of already being seated with Christ next to the right hand of God, how does that affect what I do today? That's not how most of us live. Most of us just live day to day, moment to moment, moment to moment, doing our thing. But here he's thinking about, all right, let's think about heaven. Let's think about above. And how is that going to impact my present? Does that make sense? Does that resonate with your heart this morning? Because I think for so many of us, it's hard. 
because we're here and we're now. So think about what Paul says. Look back at the verses with me. As Paul begins to unpack this truth, listen to what he says first of all. And that is in, a, in verse 1, in just the first part of that verse, he says, If then you were raised with Christ. Paul, I believe, is piggybacking off of chapter 2, verse 20 and following, where he says, Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourself to regulations? Why do you continue to go back to the old stuff? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, verse 22, according to the commandments and the doctrines of men. Verse 23, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, he says, and neglection of the body, but he says are of no value against the indulgences of the flesh. So the flesh is a mighty force to reckon with. And so when he begins to talk to us, Paul says the very first thing is that if you and I are going to experience a life that is really focused rightly on heaven here in the present and make an impact in this world in which we live, it begins with a first class conditional sentence of if you have been raised with Christ, then you need to seek those things. You with me? So if the, if the first part is true, if you and I have been raised with Christ, what is he referring to? He's talking about our salvation. He's talking about our union with Christ. He's talking about the fact that we were once sinners. We were lost. We were in our depravity. And God found us. He opened our eyes spiritually. The Spirit of God convicted us of our sin. And by faith we trusted Christ for salvation. Realizing it's only by his death, burial, and resurrection can we be forgiven of God. That we can be wholly saved and changed on the inside then I am, therefore, just as I died with Christ, I am raised with Christ. Listen to what Paul says in parallel to that in Romans 6. He says to us in verse 3 and 4, Do you not know that as many of us who are baptized into Jesus Christ, here it is, we're baptized into his death. Listen, the old man's gone. The old man's been nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ. I've been buried, amen? You bury dead people, amen? You don't bury people alive unless you're crazy. Unless you're a murderer, right? I was nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ. He bore my sin in his own flesh upon the cross, bearing the penalty and the weight that I should have bore. Amen? He died in my place. Hallelujah. But the Bible says that he was buried. Amen? Because he was dead, dead. He wasn't just swooning. He wasn't just asleep. He was dead. Amen? And here Paul says, listen, we were buried with him. Now he's talking about not a physical water baptism here. He's talking about spiritually what's happened. Spiritually we've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. And therefore the old man dying was also buried. When we, bury, when we put people buried under the water, it's that representation of this verse. That the old man is dead. It is gone. Listen, it has no power over us. Sin's shackles have been broken. We've been set free. Amen. Now we still sin, unfortunately. That's why Paul has to go back in Romans 6 and spend a whole chapter talking about sin and how you and I ought not present our members as instruments of sin, that we should never step upon the grace of God that's been given to us by continuing to sin, thinking that more grace will be given to us as we continue to sin even more. No, it's not that way. It's not supposed to be that way. The shackle of sin has been broken. We are no longer slaves to it because we've been dead and buried with Christ. 
Paul goes on in Romans 6 and he continues, says, he says, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also walk in newness of life. You and I are changed when we come out of the waters of baptism. It represents the fact that my life is new. I am a new man. I am a new creature in Christ. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm different. So here's the question this morning. Is that you? Before you will ever live in the reality of heaven, you have to first have the reality of salvation. You have to have this uniting of yourself in Jesus Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection. You must cross the line of depravity into light. Otherwise, you'll never live in light of the heavens and literally the heaven where our master sits at the right hand of the Father. You'll never live there and your life will never be different. Somebody asked this morning in Sunday school, we're talking about Romans and we're talking about what's most important is not whether I believe God elects people or whether I believe that God by faith people receive Jesus Christ. What matters the most is what is the result of what I said happened to me? If I say I'm an elect by God or if I say by faith I receive Jesus Christ, I don't care. What is your life like now? What is the result of that? How are you living that way? Because let me tell you something. What Paul is saying in those short little verse, I am, listen, I am raised with Christ, meaning that I am not who Mike Foreman used to be. And if I am still the same man that I was when I said I was saved at 17, then I'm a liar. Amen? And listen, That change is not something I wrought in my own self. It's not by my own power. It's not by my own strength. It's by the Holy Spirit of God who is inside me and who has been conforming me according to what Paul said in Romans 8 because it's God's predestined will that he would take all of his children and make them like his son Jesus Christ. And so are you different? (laughs) Has your life been changed? Because if not, you can't even begin to think about living heavenly on earth. It's impossible. First class conditional sentence according to what Paul is saying to us. But when you begin to look at the text, if it is true, if you are his follower, if you have been born again by Jesus Christ, then what's the reality of living? Notice what he says. He says in the middle of that verse one, he says, if then you were raised with Christ, then he says, do what? As a result of that, seek those things which are above. If you and I have been raised with Christ, then we ought to first of all seek, and in a minute he's going to talk about setting. So seeking and setting. So he's talking about seeking in verse 1. You and I need to seek the things that are above, and where is this above? He tells us, right? Where Christ is, seating at the right hand of God. Can you imagine Jesus high and lifted up, exalted, Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, given a name which is above all names, right? And now he sits at the right hand of God. That, that place of sitting at the right hand of God represents not only the fact that he's divine and he is. That's talking about his equality with God. Do you realize that he's God? Do, do you realize that it also talks about the fact that it's his privileged position? There's no one else who's going to sit at the right hand of God except Jesus Christ. Amen? The disciples were bickering and arguing about sitting at the right hand of him. But it is this place of privilege. It is this place, by the way, of sovereignty. 
Jesus Christ is all-powerful. He reigns and he rules. Amen? And so here is Jesus Christ sitting in the heavens, sitting in glory at the right hand of God. And Paul says for us that we ought to set our minds in thinking about the things that are above where he is. What does that mean? That means that I ought to be concerned with the same things Jesus is concerned with. That means that as I live this life, I ought to be concerned with what heaven has to say about it. Amen? That means the things that are on his heart should be on my heart. You're saying, that sounds like last week. It sure does, doesn't it? (laughs) Sounds a lot like last week. As a matter of fact, they are parallel. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Paul says the reality is that we as believers in Jesus Christ ought to be living with a heavenly mindset that, that we are forced to look up and say, God, what is it that you want me to live out here on earth? Well... He's already told us. It's right here. Let's not make God's will complicated. Amen? We find God's will in the book called the Bible that we ought to read and study. And we ought to ask God to speak to us through the book. And he is many times if we'll ask. We'll seek, we'll find. And so he says to us, listen, we we ought to 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 begin to look towards heaven and let heaven's directive be our directive here on earth. See, if I'm never heavenly minded, if I'm never seeking heaven, then guess what? I'm a wandering Christian. I'm an effective or ineffective Christian. I'm I'm not concerned for lost people. I don't have any desire to want to tell people about Jesus. I, I don't have any desire for the word of God. I don't have a desire to be with the people of God in church. You're saying, well, how are you pulling all that out of it? Well, do you not think Jesus is concerned whether you're in church or not? Why do we live as though we can skip church and Jesus is okay with that? You know why? Because we've spiritualized it among ourselves. Well, I'm just tired. I, I, you know, I don't have to go to church to worship Jesus. Oh, bless God, you don't. But I'm going to tell you right now. If you don't go to church, I don't know how you're praising Jesus. Because my Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the habit of some. Amen? My Bible tells me that when Paul was on the road to Damascus, get ready to persecute and kill some Christians, Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus equates himself and the church together. So how can I love Jesus and not his church? I can't. (laughs) I can't. And if I love Jesus and his church, listen, if I say I want to spend time with Jesus, then I want to spend time with Jesus' people. Right? I mean, think about it. And so listen, he begins to tell us, begin to look for the heart of Jesus. What is he saying? What is he saying through the word? How did Jesus live his life in order that we may emulate him? What did God say through Peter and Paul? Those are the things I want to do. These are the things that ought to impact my life here in the present. Not just living. Listen, it's scary enough, right in your margin, scary enough. To go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and begin to read in verse 9 and 10 where it says we must all appear for the beam of seat of Christ. We must all stand before Jesus one day and give an account what we have done in the body, whether good or bad. Listen, Paul said because of that, we persuade all men. Paul said it's so important that we understand that we're going to stand before Jesus one day that we have to persuade all men. That's a truth you better bank your life on. But let me tell you something. When you stand before Jesus one day, it's not that he's going to look back and go, hey, did you, did, you, did you do all these things because you're waiting for this day to stack it all up? No, I'm living in the reality of heaven in the present. So when I get there, it's not a surprise, is it? 
Now, I'm surprised that Jesus says, well done now, good and faithful servant, because I've been living my life that way. I've been impacted by heaven. Not only the fact I'm going there one day to see him, but in the reality of the present now. I want people to go. I want to be like Jesus now, not just then. And Paul says the reality of that is going to impact the way you live, verses 5 through 11, and we'll maybe, Lord willing, get to look at that some other time. But notice what he says to us in the verse. If then you've been raised with Christ, and we have if we're Christians, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, he said, sitting at the right hand of God. Then he says, verse 2, very parallel to it, but not so parallel to it. Notice he says in verse 2, set your minds on things above. Now again, in order for me to seek things and to set my mind, that's active. (laughs) That's an active indicative verb. Paul is actually giving us two commands. Paul is not saying, hey, be nice. If every once in a while you think about heaven. <clears throat> you know, if you get around to it. You know, like when we study it on Wednesday nights in class. And I didn't like that study too much, but we did it anyway. Uh, well, I didn't like the book. I liked the study, but I didn't like the book we did. But, but the reality is, you know, Paul is giving us two commands. The first command, you know, begin to seek. But he also says now you need to, you know, set. You know. Put your mind on heavenly things. So, so one really is my desires. One, the, the seeking part is my desire is to seek God in order that I may live out in this flesh, in this life, live out the realities of the kingdom life. But then the other is that I'm setting my mind. It is my thinking. It, it is my process by which inside of me I'm thinking about heaven. And how does that impact me? Listen, what you think will eventually come out. Amen? What's in your heart becomes a reality, the Bible says. It's who we really are. It's what's inside. And it pops out. And sometimes our ugliness pops out. And sometimes, hallelujah, some, some things pop out that are a blessing. Right? But nonetheless, he says, for you and I, we ought to set our minds. That is, begin to think deliberately. Put our minds in thinking about heaven so it will impact what I do here in this life. How do I know that, by the way? Because look at the opposite. Look at the negative side of that. He says in verse 2, set your mind on the things above, not on things on the earth. Listen, we ought not be so focused and concentrated here that we're no heavenly good. But it's so easy. Can I get an amen? It's so easy, isn't it? It's so easy to get caught up worrying about money or get caught up worrying about our health or to get caught up worrying about this or that. Or even if we're not worrying, it's so easy to get caught up in doing, isn't it? Doing this or doing that. Living life, raising kids, getting older, getting fat, losing weight, getting fat, losing weight. Right? It's, it's you know, that's life. That's what happens to us. And so we get so engaged and so involved in living our life here that what we find ourselves doing, we find ourselves focused more on earth than we do focusing on heaven. And we've lost that reality by which our focus on heaven has impacted our living here on earth. And that's how I know when I'm out of kilter. When I'm beginning to live for here rather than living for there or letting there be the reality that changes how I live here in the present. When my, my thinking is not Bible, when my thinking is me and not him, I realize somewhere along the pendulum, Mike, you've turned your eyes from living heavenly. 
And so I'm not living below looking up. I'm beginning to live below, below. So easy, isn't it? I'm glad when it's over. I can get to heaven. I don't have to have that struggle. But you know, there's something sweet about the struggle. You know what's sweet about the struggle is our union with Jesus. Is that he's with us every step of the way. Isn't that a blessing to know? Notice what Paul says to us. He says in verse 2, set your mind on above, not on the earth. And then listen to what he says in verse 3. He reminds us of our union with Christ. He says, for you died and your life is hidden in Christ. First of all, there is this past experience. There is this experience by which through faith, through grace, God saved me. We talked about that at the beginning of the sermon. We talked about this fact that we are raised with Christ because we died with Christ. So this old person, this old thing that was gripping my life, this old man has been killed. It has been done away with at the cross. I have died to the old way. Mike is not who he used to be. There's something different about me. What is that? Well, the Holy Spirit lives in me. And I have a desire to want to please God that I never had prior to my conversion, prior to being in Christ. But not only do I have the desire, listen, I have this power of the Holy Spirit in me. Who has done what? Who has united me to Jesus Christ. And he and I are one. Remember what Jesus said, John 15. You remain in me and I in you. We are one. Remember his high priestly prayer. He said, the Father and I are one. And what does he say about that wonderful relationship? As the Father and I are one, you and I are one. I am in you and you are in me and the Father is in me and the Father is in you. And we have this great high priestly prayer reminding us that we have this union with Christ and that we do not have to listen. We do not have to try to make up some kind of religion or ideology or some rules and some regulations. No, we have to live in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ through the Spirit in order, listen, in order to be heavenly minded. Why? Because we died, past tense. This world doesn't own me anymore. God owns me. Amen? Amen. But it doesn't stop there. Because he talks about the past, but then he gives us a present reality. Notice your present reality. If you're a believer in Jesus, listen to what he says in the middle of verse 3. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. You are in Christ. You are, Paul would use the imagery in Ephesians, you are enveloped in Christ. When you put a letter inside of an envelope, you, you put it inside and you seal it. When, when it's traveling across the UPS system or, or, or the postal system, People don't see your letter. They don't see what's inside. They just see the envelope. Thank God that I'm enveloped in Jesus Christ, that God sees Jesus when he looks at me. That is the only righteousness I have, according to what Paul says. As he reminds us in Philippians, we looked at that a few months ago. But as I think about this relationship and I think about this union, I am thankful that what he reminds me is that I am hidden in Christ. There gives me a couple of things to hang my hat on. Number one... When I'm hidden in Christ means that, yes, the world is not going to recognize me. The world doesn't recognize spiritual things. You know that, right? When the world looks at you and me and they go, we're a bunch of weirdos. 
You know, they do that because they don't understand spiritual things. They're spiritually appraised. And they're worldly. Their mindset is worldly. They can't understand that. But being hidden in Christ, listen, also talks to my security. Aren't you glad that when Christ saves you, that you cannot lose that salvation? I'm so thankful. I love Romans chapter 8. What a great text to remind me that my sanctification, the process by which God is making me like his son, is the work of the Holy Spirit of God. But at the end of that, Paul gives us his great argument that there is nothing, nothing, nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ, or excuse me, the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I am secure, and you are secure. And I'm thankful that right now, in the present, my life is hidden in Christ. I am his, concealed, secure, safe in him. But then he gives us a, pre- a present, uh, the, 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 the future reality is not only when I'm died, not only am I living and hidden in him, but notice when he comes back. When Christ, who is our life, appears... <laughs> By the way, he is light, right? Eternal life is not a theology. It's a person. Jesus Christ. When he, our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Do you realize that the finished product of what God's trying to accomplish in your life is to make you like Jesus? That way one day when you appear, you'll appear with him? Oh, no. He will, uh, he will appear and you'll be with him. Amen. He'll be the leader. We'll be the follower. We don't become Jesus. We become like him. But he always stays the sovereign Lord. He always stays the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We don't become him. We become like him. That is, we finally one day will be veiled with his glory. We will finally one day be perfect, clothed in his white righteousness I'm looking forward to that day. Paul says to us that we ought to seek and set our minds on heaven so that right now we'll live in the present reality of that and it will impact my thoughts. It will impact my actions. It will impact whether I love people or not love people. It will impact me here now that I'll live for heaven. Listen. Not so I'll go there, but because I'm already there. I'm already in Christ, complete. And one day, Paul says, verse 4, the reality that's going to be, when he comes back at his second coming, I'll be with him. And I'll be completely changed. And how glorious is that going to be? Let's pray. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.